What's up, people? Welcome back to Filmmaking Ain't for Pussies. Man, I hardly ever say that title. So if you're offended by that word, sorry. But I just felt like saying it today. This is episode 12 of what I call season two, budgeting. And you know what? We're done with budgeting. Give yourself a round of applause. You deserve it. So by now, you pretty much know how much money you're going to need. You know, I can touch a little bit on raising funds. I mean, who's going to pay for your movie? Are you going to crowdsource? And I think I told you before, I tried to crowdsource and I'm just not, I'm not cut out for crowdsourcing. I don't like to ask anybody for anything. Well, almost anything. <laughs> so yeah, the, the crowdfunding thing wasn't, it's not my forte. So I gave that up. You can get loans from parents, relatives, if you know anybody who has a lot of money and you feel really good about your script, you know, the added plus would be this person who has a lot of money that you know, loves movies. You know, what the hell? Have a chat with them. Say, hey, I wrote a script. I'd love for you to read it. Give me your feedback. Now, notice I didn't say ask for money right away. Oh, that rhymed. I'm a poet and didn't even know it. If you know somebody who's got a ton of money and they love movies, just let them read the script first. Don't hit them up for money right away because these people get hit on for money all the time. So be different. Be a lion, not a sheep. So let them read the script. And you know, if they don't like it, then obviously you're not going to ask for money. But if they do like it, just smile and say, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I worked hard on it. Is this the kind of movie that you would pay to see? See what they say. Oh, hell yeah. I would love to see this movie. Then you can cast your line into the water. Well, as a matter of fact, I'm going to direct and produce this movie. And I'm, I'm just looking for funding right now. If you know anybody who would be interested in funding this project, please send them my way. And see, that's another little trick there. You know, you're not asking them for money. You're just letting them know, you know, in your circle of rich friends, if anybody has any venture capital and they would like to uh, get into the movie business, uh, I got this great script here and you read it. You said it was great yourself. So then let this person with the money think about it. Let them think about it because you're going to be in their head now and the movie's going to be in their head. You know, I'm just throwing some shit out there, seeing what sticks. If you're an older adult like moi and you have some home equity, that's how we finance the hike. So you simply go to the bank and uh, ask for a loan. Tell them it's uh, renovation. It's renovation money. Most of the time, they won't ask you what it's for if you just take out a home equity loan. Some banks are picky. Some banks will ask you. I've heard some banks uh, will ask for proof. You know, if you're going to renovate, they want a contractor involved and they want estimates involved and this and that. It's one of those things where you won't know until you try. You know, it's a home equity loan. So if you default on it, they come in and take your house. <laughs> yeah, you're putting your house on the line. Kind of. Well, yeah, really, you are. But no risk, no gain. That's the way I look at it. And if you're married, your spouse is going to have to be on board, obviously. If you're single and you own a house and you have a ton of equity, you just hit the lottery, my friend. Go get that loan. And of course, you have to pay, make a payment every month. It's kind of like a credit card, but it's against your home's line of credit. Let's put it that way. Real quick, for those of you who don't know what home equity is, let's just say you buy a house for $500,000 and you're in it for years and years. And maybe you've paid down the mortgage to like $300,000 and the house 
the housing market where you live, your house is worth $600,000, $700,000 right now if you sold it. It's gone up since you bought it. So if you owe three and you can sell it for seven, you have $400,000 in equity because the bank sees that. All they see is dollar signs. They see, well, if this guy defaults on this loan, then it'll be our house and we'll sell it for seven and we'll make money. That's what home equity loans are. And you do have to have a a pretty decent sized set of balls to do that. And you have to have a spouse, if you have a spouse, who agrees to it. But uh, it's one way that you can finance your movie. Now, with interest rates, it's going to be a little more expensive now than it was three years ago, four years ago. You know, you, you just can't do that Kevin Smith thing and use credit cards, especially with interest rates nowadays. I don't know about you guys, but shit, man, I'm, I'm paying like 20, 25%. It's crazy. And just a few years ago, it was single digits. So yeah, you can't, you can't possibly do what Kevin Smith did back in the day. All right, so you've got a budget. You have a good idea where the money's coming from. We did the budget before we talked about getting money because, of course, if you go to somebody to ask for money or if you crowdsource, you have to have a number. What is that number that you have to have to make your movie? So you have to budget before you even try to raise funds because you have to have that number available to anybody who wants to finance your movie, invest in your movie. You might find somebody who says, you know, I can't give you all of that, but I can give you some of it. You can always get a bunch of partners. You can get a bunch of people and you can form a partnership. Obviously, if you do things like this, you're going to have to retain a lawyer and you're going to have to come up with some contracts. So there's another expense for you. We didn't bring up a lawyer when we were talking about budgeting. It's not a bad idea, but you know, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. I retained a lawyer and it wasn't that expensive. And I retained this lawyer so she could go over the contracts and make sure that I dotted all my I's and crossed all my T's. And then after the shoot, she came in handy. (laughs) I'm going to tell you that story when we get there. But it's always a good idea. You know, and if you know anybody in the family who has a law degree, you can just run a contract by them. Just let them look at it. And we're going to talk about contracts down the road, not in this episode, because you don't have to worry about contracts right this second. Right now, we just came up with our budget. We see that number and we're going to go out and look for the money. Now, if you're lucky and you somehow find the financing or you're going to finance it yourself, next is a big, big step for you. What you have to do is you have to set the dates of the shoot. Now, once you set these dates, they're pretty much in stone because everyone is going to commit. Your actors and your crew are going to commit to those dates. You know, if you're in my case, if you have a union crew, those dates are crucial because these union guys line up their shows. They go from one show to another show. The guys on my set said, look, Dave, you know, we, we can't stay another day. We got to go because we're supposed to be on this other shoot tomorrow. So you got to set the dates for your shoot when it begins and when it ends. Things to take into consideration when you're setting dates if you're doing a, an exterior shoot, let's say your movie, most of it's exterior, like the hike. The hike was 95% exterior. So we began shooting as soon as daylight savings time began. It was like the second week of March because obviously you have more sunlight. And if you shoot in the winter and you're outside, the sun's going down at what, 5.30, 6 o'clock, depends on where you are in the country. But here in SoCal, you know, 5.30, it's pitch dark in December, January. 
Now, if the majority of your shoot is indoors, that might not be a huge consideration, but you do have to look at your scenes. If you have a daylight scene that's inside a house and you want some natural sunlight to come through the windows, you're going to lose that sunlight if you shoot in the winter. You're going to lose it quickly. You're going to lose it early in the day. So I think daylight savings time is a pretty big consideration when you're trying to figure out when you're going to begin production. More so if it's exterior, less so if it's interior, but you know, it's still going to affect you even on your interior shots because you don't want to end your day at 5.30, right? I mean, assuming your script, you're going to have daytime scenes and nighttime scenes. You know, what you'll have to do is once the sun goes down, then you'll have to start shooting the nighttime scenes. But you're going to have that smaller window of sunlight if you shoot, what is it, November through early March. I wish we would just pass a law and have daylight savings time year-round. God, I hate when the sun goes down 5, 5.30. Ugh, can't stand it. But, you know, the farmers have a different opinion, and I, and I respect that. If you have your eye on a big, big festival, figure out when does that festival take place? When do they start taking submissions from filmmakers? You know, if you have your eye on a big film festival, everything's going to have to go right to finish your movie just in time so you can submit to that festival. If not, you have to wait a whole nother year before you can submit. Some people don't care, but to some people, you know, they've got their eye on Sundance. They've got their eye on South by Southwest. They eat, sleep, and breathe those film festivals. They want their film in those festivals. But of course, you have to have the right kind of movie. I mean, if you're shooting a a horror movie, you're probably not going to get into those festivals. Maybe South by Southwest. But if you're doing a drama, then your odds are a lot better. A drama, something light, something fluffy, maybe a comedy. But yeah, with the hike, I had no... I knew with the hike, we were not going to go into any of the bigger festivals. Because the hike's a genre movie. And plus, it's really gritty and it's really out there. And the language is horrible and vulgar and... It's not everybody's cup of tea. Okay, so you look at your calendar and you figure out your start date and your end date. Well, how many days are you going to shoot? Now, the hike was 124 pages. I just looked at the script before I pushed record on this podcast. And the first scene was eight pages. So you guys have heard me say a number of times we couldn't shoot the first scene because we ran out of time. We lost our crew. And on the day that I said that we were going to be finished, we still had that first scene to shoot. And I was losing everybody. Yeah, it turns out we didn't need it. 124 pages, and I allotted 18 days, okay? Assuming that I was going to shoot that first scene. And if you remember, the first scene, I couldn't shoot at our location. So we were going to have to do a company move. So we were going to have to load up everything and go to another location because that first scene had to look completely different. Our serial killer was in a different part of the country. So in SoCal, I had to find some place that looked like it wasn't in SoCal. And I found one, but it was a good hour's drive away. So 124 pages, 18 days. And I told you that that was my biggest fear, that we were going to run out of time. Now, I think you can pretty much base your script on what I did and feel safe about it. And why I say that is because we lost a day and a half. We lost a half a day to weather. There was one day we woke up and it was so windy. Oh my gosh, that's what I hate about SoCal. I I don't like wind anymore. But there are days when it's really windy. One morning, I think it was 6.30 and my phone went off and it was the location owner. And he called me up and he said, Dave, have you looked outside the window? I said, "Uh, no, not yet. He said, it's super, super windy. And I hate to tell you this, but three of your canopies, two of them have blown away. And I, I saved the third one, but the other two are gone. 
I mean, it was really windy. And you got to remember, I, I told you guys, I took these canopies that are basically big tents that you buy at like Big Five or Dick Sporting Goods or wherever. And I put their legs, you can buy a bucket and you fill the bucket with cement. And then you put the leg, the canopy leg, there's four legs. You put the canopy leg in the bucket of cement. When it dries, you've got an anchor. Dude, I had four of these buckets of cement on the feet of these three canopies. That's 12 anchors. And they all blew away. The owner grabbed one and moved it to a a different location on the property where it wasn't quite as windy. But I lost two. We lost a half a day then because I, I just called everybody and said, look, it's really super windy. Let's just hold off. And the location owner was really sweet and nice. And, and they were calling me like every half hour to let me know how the wind was. And eventually, around lunchtime, we ended up going out. And then we missed a full day because I had to go to Los Angeles and pick up a prop. And that's another story that I will tell you. <laughs> Those two instances, why I had to go to L.A. to get a prop and how the lawyer came in handy after the shoot was over. You starting to put the pieces together? All right, well, I'm going to tell you that story. Back to figuring out how many days is it going to take to shoot your script. 124 pages, 18 days. And I like 18 days because that's three weeks. So you shoot six days off Sunday, shoot six days off Sunday, shoot six days. You can do whatever you want. If you want to shoot straight through and not give anybody a day off, just be aware that some people might bitch about that. I thought it was nice just to give everybody a day off so they could go out and do their thing and relax and and not worry about it. But it's entirely up to you. You're the producer of your movie. What you really, really have to think about, is your movie going to be really stylish? Are you going to have a lot of camera moves? Because what I learned in film school and what I learned from being on shoots and then doing the hike, anytime you have a camera move, it is going to just eat up time. Camera moves are just a time vampire. Just sucks the time right out of the day. Big Hollywood movies, they'll spend a day for one shot. It's crazy. But you're an independent filmmaker. You cannot do that. I knew in a perfect world, I would have made the hike a lot more stylish. I would have had more camera moves, but I knew that I didn't have time to do a bunch of camera moves. We're talking dolly, you know, push in, pull out. A crane shot, if you have a jib arm and the camera is going to crane up or crane down or move to the right or move to the left. And the problem is not the movement itself. It's synchronizing the movement with the actors. Because more often than not, the actors are going to be moving at the same time. And it's a dance that takes a lot of rehearsals or run-throughs while on set. But just keep in mind, when you're going through these run-throughs, trying to get the timing right, tick, 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 you're just blowing through time, man. If you remember, I told you we had a video monitor on the set, but the script supervisor was watching the video monitor. And I would highly suggest you do it the way we did it. So when there's a camera move, definitely use the video assist to rehearse or practice the move until you get it right. You can watch the video monitor while the cinematographer is looking through the viewfinder, right? So when he makes the move, you can watch it And if you don't like it, or if you want to make some adjustments, you can let him know real time. 
And then the communication is better because sometimes voicing what you want isn't near as powerful as showing what you want. So go to the video monitor, go through the move, then let the DP know what you like and what you don't like. Make this adjustment, make that adjustment. You know, these are rehearsals, these are run-throughs. Then when you're ready to roll for a take, as a director, you get your ass away from that video monitor and go to the actors. Because when you get close to the actors and you can sit there and watch them, you'll be able to look into their eyes and you'll be able to tell if they're being truthful, if they're really in the scene, or if they're not. I truly believe you'll get a better idea of that when you're up close and personal with the actor while they're doing the scene. But FYI, get out of their eye line. Okay, you know what an actor's eye line is, right? where they're looking or where they might look off to. So be sure you get out of their eye line. If you're the director and you're going to to do what I did and and get up close to them, stay out of their eye line. They don't want to look at you while they're in the scene. Just go off to the side. That's very important to remember. Then when you're done with the take, you can do one of two things. You can ask the cinematographer if he got it. And if he's very experienced and you trust him, you can go on his word. Or... You can rush over to the video monitor, rewind the tape, and play back the shot. If it's not good, back to one. Take two. I had the privilege of working with a Hollywood cinematographer. I did not rush over to the monitor. I simply asked him, did you get it? And he was a perfectionist. If he didn't get it, he told me he didn't get it. And it it worked out for me. You've got to be really honest with yourself and go through your script and look at those scenes I know when you were writing them, you could see them in your head and you have these shots in your head. It's like, wow, that is going to be amazing. You know, just a lot the time. I'm not telling you not to do it. Do it if you want to do it. And if you have the equipment to do it, hell yeah, do it. But just keep in mind, it's going to take a lot of time for all these moving shots and just pad your days. Remember the contingency for your budget? Well, you might as well make a schedule contingency as well. Had we not lost that day and a half, we only had an eight-page first scene to do. We would have done it in 18 days. 124-page script, 18 days. I think you'll be okay if you don't do any fancy shots. Now, we had a couple of push-ins. We had a couple of jib shots. You know, if you watch the hike, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, it it wasn't just strictly master, close-ups, move on. We went at at a really relaxed pace. No one was stressed out. And uh, I think you would be good with 18 days, 124 pages, if you're not going to do anything extravagant as far as camera moves. You know, just take that into consideration. If you're going to have a lot of camera moves, you're going to have to push past 18 days, 19, 20, 21. And once again, remember what I told you about scheduling your day, telling your people we're going to quit at seven, but you know in your head you're actually going to quit at six. You know, do that with your movie. If you have a start date and you want to go 20 days and you're done at 18, everybody's going to be happy. Always err on the side of more, not less. I hope that makes sense to everybody. All right, let's get out of here. Hope you all have a great week. And always remember to be a lion, not a sheep. Later.